Hey everybody, it's me, Will. And me, Kristen. And in just a few minutes, we're going to play for you our live show from the Jersey Devil Fest in 2023. Yeah, we had a really, really great time. It was really cool. We had prime real estate. Oh my, yes, actually, I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, you're it right. It was incredible. We were right in the middle of the lower level of the Paranormal Books and Curiosities Shop in Asbury Park, New Jersey, mm-hmm. run by Kathy Kelly, the owner, and a staff of awesome an amazing super nice super welcoming people shout out andrea Mm -hmm. yep yep juniper lisa becca i can't remember another gentleman's name oh we may never know another person's name sad to say yeah but no they we were asked if we wanted to be outside with all the other vendors or Uh uh-huh and this i think was the because like from like a social standpoint maybe it would have been nice to be with the other vendors sure but there was a crucial mistake on their part they said or we could just make room for you here inside the shop. And we might, yeah, yeah, that would, that'd be great. Inside, inside. You say? Yes, inside. Shielded from the elements. Are there two uh, better examples of indoor kids? I think not. Than us, no. Yeah. So uh, we were sitting right in front of a little TV. We were able to plug in and, and like display our artwork. Mm-hmm. And anybody who walked into the shop, we were sitting right there with a cookie-eating grin on both of our faces. Definitely. Also, let me set the scene for you a little bit as to what this shop looks like. Yes. So bookcase on like either of the left and right walls that are chock-a-block full, one totally full of books, one with books, and then kind of like different sorts of items. So there are a bunch of tarot cards and oracle decks, um, lots of crystals, lots of, let me see, what else was there? I don't know, like anything that you can think of basically that's like anywhere in the realm of something paranormal or mystical, whatever. I heard from multiple people and I think we even said the same thing. Like, I wish this was the vibe of my home. Oh my God. It's painted like a dark sage green. The bookcase has a rolling ladder that you can use, like in Bell's Library and Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Um, Just everywhere you look, there's something cool. Like Mm -hmm. even in the corner that we were in, there was a big like old timey, what do you call this? Like a light on the street? Street light? Yeah, street light, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just everywhere you look, there's something awesome that Victorian you wish you vibes. had yes yeah haunted yeah. victorian vibes yeah and then a table down the middle that has even more awesome stuff like amulets more decks there are t-shirts there's artwork and then a it's couple the of grinning place. goobers in the corner yeah right. giving out I mean, candy like, bars yeah yeah it was great Did you like a full-size candy bar super fun saw a bunch of really interesting people yeah. uh, uh made some connections i think mm-hmm. um but we were there for for business Kristen. business yes, of course uh friday night as we've talked about on the show uh, in the run-up we were on the film panel mm-hmm. uh for the the film festival portion of jersey devil fest right and and uh, I have to tell you, I loved it. It was wonderful. I, we were sitting in the front row of a, of a, a little indie movie theater yep. in Asbury Park, the showroom. I, I got a thing of popcorn that was in like the old timey container that you think of popcorn being yeah. in, like vertical red and white stripes, scalloped edge. Yes. my. Why do you see that? Kristen, my bunch of crunch looked like it could have been from some other era of opulence <laughs> Another and time. glory. <laughs> yeah. um, but so it was like two something hours of all of these indie films and like shorts, some of them made me laugh so hard. Shout out to uh, Krampus on Campus. Krampus on Campus. As well as Magda and Magda 2. Oh my God. They're, they're, that yeah, doll ain't right. That doll ain't right. There was, oh, this was so good. There was on display 
not only the prowess of independent filmmakers, mm -hmm. but some like like colorful oddities, yes. I would say. And so one of these short films was as if it was a trailer for a movie yeah. about a killer doll. Mm -hmm. But because it's so low budget, it's like just somebody clearly holding a baby doll toy like and peeking around the corner with it. Yeah, and they're like intentionally letting you know that that's the thing. That's yes. the charm of this trailer. And then on screen text just being like, that's right, she's back. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Magda is back. And then it just, bam, on the screen. That doll ain't right. Yep. Boom. Oh, crusher. Brought we, the house down. I mean, we were big fans of Magda on you know, uh, citing one because uh -huh. first there was just a trailer and we're like, fine, you know, a minute or less in out. Great. We love Magda. Yep. We didn't know that a little bit later in the fest, oh. the trailer for Magda 2 would be coming at us. What a treat. We were so surprised. We were so delighted. Another short film was a sequel to the first short film. That's right. And that doll still ain't right. That doll still ain't right. Oh, it was what a delight. But yep. you, you brought up Krampus on campus. Yes. This what the the filmmakers behind this piece mm -hmm. had guts. Oh, gusto, moxie, and joy in filmmaking that really came through the screen. So it, this was they a were group students. Of, yes, it was a group of high schoolers <laughs> in I guess like drama class or I guess yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah, the, the teacher was there and he talked a little bit, but I don't think we really got like. At least I don't remember what the deal was. No, because I was asking questions and I had asked questions of some of the other filmmakers because I was yeah. saving the teacher knowing like the students are not here. He, he was like, yeah, you know, he's got this smile on his face. Like he knows what's going on. He's like, yeah, I tried to get them to come, but you know <laughs> it's teenagers. a friday night and they're like they're teenagers out having fun can you imagine like they goofed around to I make this that. movie krampus on campus mm -hmm. and then by some crazy twist of fate it's screening in a movie theater and they're like i think i'm gonna be you know down at the burger hut to get a malted <laughs> instead right. exactly i'm good well he said it's been in multiple film oh, fests right. <laughs> so i guess they're like over it's it. old hat but by who now. knows maybe they didn't even Any of them, and they're maybe. like, No, I'm gonna go down to Lover's Lane to Neck. Too cool for school, and But you know what? Thing. Yes, they were. Um, they were like barely suppressing, boys. yes, like barely suppressing smiles during uh, some, of, some of it, which genuinely made it so enjoyable. I loved it. There, it's there, I really was like, We were laughing, laughing. Yes, so Krampus is gonna attack these kids and mostly just drag them away off screen, yeah. But there's like a scene where all the teen boys are around a table, sort of like being like, what do you mean you don't believe in Krampus? And yeah. then somebody else interjects, what are you just like naughty all year? It's so like, awesome. This, what a great line. I know, it's great. Krampus on campus. I tried to find it online, by the way. Could not find it on YouTube. I think that it's staying exclusive to the to the film festival circuit for a while. You know what? Good for them. Before they get their Criterion release. Of course. I loved it. And more than loving the individual movie, I loved that the kids who made it were not there. Yeah, me too. That's such a power move. And that their teacher was just there smiling. Yeah, he just, <laughs> he, he seemed to be having a great time and knowing this is just like a silly, fun thing. It seemed most joyous. Yeah, definitely did. So it was really, really cool overall. It was a blast. Yeah. Uh, and then we ended up going into uh, the the basement of the Capitol. Yes, Capitol Line. Capitol Line. Mm -hmm. It was like a, like a cool hip eatery. Yeah, and then they have a performance space in yes. the basement. Uh, and so we did a live guide to the unknown for the first time in years. Yeah. Um, mildly attended. Yeah, I would say that uh, it was a little light. You know, I but... think that it was um, pretty exclusive. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. We want to, you know what I was thinking about? You know how in, um, I think it's, I mean, I know it is, in Ghostbusters Afterlife, like somebody comes into, up to that little kid podcaster and is like, oh, I listen to your show. And they're like, he's like, you're my listener? Yes. Um, right. That kind of happened to us. Shout out Absolutely. to Liz, our listener. Yes. One listener who yes. came up. To, although there were people after Liz. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out also to Adam and Sonia. Yes. But yep. yeah, Liz came up and we were both like our heads blew apart. She was like a celebrity. It, it was. Because she was like, hi, I came to see the show or whatever. And we were like, what? Oh, my God. It actually happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether to try awesome. to protect our egos or part of this is also the truth. Like, yeah. Guide to the Unknown is not some local podcast. We're global, baby. Oh, yeah. We're talking to people literally around the globe all the time. Which is cuckoo. And evidently not very many people in the tri-state area. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't care at all. I did didn't care. care no, I had a blast. Yeah. I did not care. No, it's totally fine. Didn't give a fig. No. I, I know our listens are uh, on, on the internet are uh, doing good. Totally. It's completely fine. There are things that I love I'll, that I don't go to see live. I know this you is know a bit, I, mean? I know it's a bit gauche, but if we were McDonald's, that sign would say millions served. Okay. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. That is true. It is true. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, shout out to Liz shout and out. Adam and Sonia. It was great to see you all. Liz, I loved your glasses. I looked them up. I probably will be getting them. Oh. No, no, single uh -huh. white female. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you made a huge mistake by telling me where they were from. Tremendous blunder. <laughs> yeah, T I N J I wear. Yeah. Now everybody's gonna have Liz's oh, glasses. You've ruined it. You've ruined it. She's gonna be pissed, just like uh, the guy in Seinfeld. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. Elaine's. Yeah, that other writer guy. Yeah. Um, funny name, but anyway. All right, I think we're gonna throw to the live show yeah. itself. It's uh, Wait, uh. I'm sorry. I also didn't say Sarah and Katie. I shouldn't oh. take them for granted just because they're my friends IRL. Tremendous folks. Love of my life, Sarah, and her sister Katie, also a love can. It was nice. I really felt a sense of community Yeah. at the Jersey Devil Fest. I did, too. It was really nice. I feel like the staff uh -huh. was like very welcoming to us. I couldn't agree more. Well, you made the stellar maneuver of picking up uh, donuts on the way. You know what that is? the ryan anderson special is that right yes oh mm -hmm. well it works i know he's picked up donuts to just bring to like staff at places he's worked a number of times okay and so it was in my head people like it people like the donuts and you know what it set a tone people mm -hmm. were willing to uh to help us or yeah. or, or move move, move walls crap. move yeah move crap out of our way yeah it was it was great yeah it, it was, was great awesome. I no, felt, it was really I felt nice. like a little celebrity they even invited us to a staff only investigation they're going to be doing i know i do think that we might have uh future team-ups i know the, the paranormal books and curiosities museum i like them very much so thank you so much to everybody who works there thank, thank, you, thank you kathy thank you to everybody who attended and just thank you all in general yeah if you're we brand new you to the show welcome yep. welcome welcome if you've been at the show for a million years welcome 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 we love you you're gonna hear our first live show in years mm -hmm. and, and maybe it won't be the last totally. who's to say we got into some real obscure stuff which i think was yes. sort of a power move on our part which is weird <laughs> that we picked stuff no one's ever heard of before i know well also i was thinking because the paranormal books and curiosity shop does tours i was like i don't know these people might have it covered you know yeah, what I mean? might, like right. if, they, if they are coming to this event maybe they've done walking tours before maybe they've heard it so yeah i want to pick some i don't know stuff. i like that i like that <laughs> inadvertently or, or somewhat intentionally by design. Or advertently. We picked topics that are entertaining for us. Yes. You know, like we didn't want to talk about the big guns. We've done that. Absolutely. So we got some bizarro little guys. Yep. So enjoy this live show. Uh, hope you enjoy it. And thanks again, everybody. Yeah. We'll see you next time. See you then. Enjoy. The driver was forced to do a U-turn and drive back 
passing the body of the boy he had just killed. Oh, maybe it was like a dead end or a cul-de-sac or whatever. I said it a couple of times, but yes. <laughs> I so doubt. All right, go ahead. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William, and we are coming to you live from the Jersey Devil Fable Festival 2023. Thank you all so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And this is put on by Paranormal Books and Curiosities in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Definitely give it a goog. Go there if you're in the area. It is awesome. Yes. And so, in honor of the Jersey Devil, we are going to tell you some Jersey-centric scary stories. Now, you know about the Jersey Devil himself, of course, but here's the thing. We've been talking about him for years. We know everything there is to know about the Jersey Devil, so you're not going to get the big guns. When you, what you're going to get from us right now is some of the shrimpy guys. Yeah. You're going to get the little-known legends that need some love and are, frankly, potentially... Just not that good. <laughs> That's right. But we'll do our best to judge them for you, and we'll see how that goes with probably mixed results. Yes, we'll now, see. Now, Will, I'm putting you on the spot, kind of. Sure. There is a New Jersey weird thing that's been going on in the last week or so. Yes. That I think may be on some people's minds. Have you heard about the pasta that was dumped in Old Bridge? Okay, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear it for the pasta. The pasta dump. Uh-huh. This so. is hot news. This is all over the headlines. You can barely turn on the TV. I know we watch live television all the time. Constantly. Can't avoid this story. What do you What do you know about this? Why? Are you, <laughs> well, I know everything about it now, oh, but okay, I know yeah. that you kind of like researched it for this, so I'm really queuing you up. I did do a little bit of research. Uh, everybody is really making a meal out of this pasta story, everybody. William. But part of it is because they all saw the potential for puns and they all capitalized. <laughs> So right here, the shameless, 6abc.com, Old Bridge, New Jersey. Officials in New Jersey are noodling over a pasta mystery. Okay. We get, that's the whole story right. right there. They just want the noodle mystery. Somebody else said that the police called it Mission Impossible because there was, what, 500 pounds of pasta yes. dumped in Old Bridge, New Jersey. Yep, something like that. Like an overnight mystery. Who knows what culprit might have been behind this? What ne'er-do-well is dumping pasta? Unfortunately, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, we're going to start off with a sad story, evidently. And then we'll bring you back up. Yeah. So it turns out, some of it's actually heartwarming, but it turns out that there was somebody living around Old Bridge whose mother passed away, and I guess she was something of a hoarder, mm -hmm. and not knowing what to do with 500 pounds of pasta, he dumped it all by the river. Now... Big, interesting mystery for us. I know that you thought the same thing. Yes. Did he dump cooked pasta or was it dry and crumbly? Now, here's what I have found. It was dry and crumbly, but we experienced some heavy rains in the central Jersey area and the pasta plumped up with the water. Yes. Yes. It doesn't just plump when you cook it. Mm -hmm. It plumps when it's exposed to the elements. That's right. But that's another great cooking tip that you can take home for free. <laughs> So it was dried pasta that ended up seeming cooked. I wouldn't advise eating it. No. But so uh, the heartwarming aspect of this story is that a lot of these outlets, and believe me, I watched and read many, <laughs> they spoke to locals who would say, yes, we know who's behind it. We do know the actual individual who dumped 500 pounds of pasta, but we're not going to tell you his name because we're going awesome? to protect him. And we're going to instead highlight 
a local injustice because this was not just some random pasta excursion. This wasn't just somebody that was dumping pasta just out of laziness or something. Right. It turns out that in Old Bridge, there's no bulk pickup. So this is an area of woods that is known as something of a dump. So you go there and you're going to see spooky old TVs that are just cracked on the side of the road. Whenever, you know, I think we all had this uh, experience as kids where it's just like maybe you were playing with friends in the woods and you came across like an easy chair or just like yeah. something that's not supposed to be there. But there, there's a very real reason for it. And so now people are sort of rallying around this individual to say, well, then give us some bulk pickup. Totally. And you're not going to get more pasta, old bridge. Mm-hmm. And it's working. So it's a story of justice being served. It's heartwarming. Also, little reported on, there were also alphabet pastas on there. And we're not talking about that. And I'm here to change it. Yes. Thank Everybody's you. focusing on the spaghetti. Yes. All right, so now let's head on over to Newark to talk about the Newark ghost train. So legend has it that at midnight on the 10th day of each month, there's an invisible ghost train that is noticeable only by its engine whistle and the sound of the wheels against the rail that passes through Newark Penn Station. And this is nicknamed the express train to hell. Oh. <laughs> um, you're not going to want to hop on this thing. Maybe we're lucky that it's invisible so none of us can. I love the idea that it's not just a train to hell. It's the express train to hell. <laughs> no stops. In case you're a little impatient, you want to get there a little faster. Yeah, you got the oogie boogies. Yeah. Um, so this seems like kind of a classic, I'm going to go out on a limb and say possibly, probably made up ghost story because it's devoid of details or facts so that you can corroborate anything about it, which is kind of a hallmark of something that's just fun, but maybe not true. Um, it's said to be driven by an engineer who died on the tracks, no further info, and apparently one time more than 600 people saw it. Who? When did this happen? Where are they now? But you know what? Who cares? It's fun. We like the idea of this, so whatever. Um, but the New Jersey Ghost Hunter Society, who you can learn more about if you go to njghs.net, investigated it back in 2001, and they recorded the sound, which you can hear on their website if you decide to go check it out. And member David Roundtree documented his experience there on the site by saying this. What seems like a steam locomotive train moving through the station at a... Oh, he's saying, what seems like a steam locomotive train moving through the station at a good clip. I was on the platform for track one, and the sound was coming from the area of track five inside the station. There were several people on the platform with me that were waiting for the Amtrak train to D.C. They were all somewhat mystified, as there was no train to match the sound in the station. So the sound file that's on the website, of course, unsurprisingly... Sounds like a train hooting its horn and moving down the tracks. Sounds like a choo-choo. Right. Yeah. It's choo-choo-esque. And now, is this the sound of a ghost? Hard to say, but maybe you can hop yourselves down to Newark Penn Station next week and decide for yourselves, because May 10th is this coming Wednesday. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. So a ghost train is sort of a, a classic of yes. the paranormal world. But I've never really understood why would an entire train become a ghost? Do you think about an individual? I know. Why is it that this, the story doesn't even make total sense to me? Like a conductor died on the track. Right. And then therefore a ghost train was formed. Yes. Why? Why right. isn't it just the ghost of a conductor? How, why, what made him so special that he's not just a conductor wandering the rails, but he gets a whole locomotive? This is my he can question. Conjure an entire vehicle for himself. Right. 
unclear and I don't think we'll ever know. We may never know. We yeah. may never know. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to talk about something now that I had never heard of before. I mean, frankly, I guess I hadn't heard of any of these. <laughs> uh, this is something uh, referred to as uh, the bloodthirsty spook rabbits. All right. Now, this is, this is not just uh, uh, ghosts. These are a menace that I think we all need to know about. Bloodthirsty bunnies dwell along a hill in Harmony Township, reports NJ.com, attacking hunting dogs to avenge the deaths of fellow cottontails. <laughs> they didn't say that and you did, right? No, they did say that. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's actually in there. Fellow cottontails. Yeah. That sounded like you. Even the most sharp-eyed sportsman cannot kill these hopping predators, locals say. Hmm. A New York hunting columnist first reported the spook rabbit phenomenon in 1891. Now, I want you to listen to this and tell me if you think it might be a little flimsy. Okay. All right? He ventured out into harmony and fired at the elusive critters for more than an hour, failing to hit a single target. Hmm. Proof. <laughs> right there. <laughs> he might not Confirmed. just be a bad shot. He remained skeptical, however, explaining that rabbits were protected by dense undergrowth. So, what was going on in the late 1800s is that these hunters would go out and they had hunting dogs that I guess are supposed to sniff out prey. And the dogs came back without having found anything and they have little scratches on their nosies. So they assumed that. what we would all assume uh, uh, Blood monstrous spook bloodthirsty spook rabbits. <laughs> Checks out. No joke. It is little more than that. Um, there was, somebody did acknowledge, there was thorn-laced shrubbery along those same trails, but there's no way that had anything to do <laughs> with any of this. That can't scratch a nosy. Uh, so I did, I poked a, a little bit around to try to corroborate this story for myself, and it turns out, horrifyingly, According to IFLScience.com, evidently bunnies are sometimes carnivorous. We think about them eating carrots. Yeah. <laughs> we do traditionally think about them eating carrots. All, all day, us. every day. Yeah. But they're not only carnivorous, sometimes cannibalistic. Oh. Did you know that? No, did no, you? Oh, I did not know that. I, Yikes. No. And to that end, I did find a horror movie, if you want to enjoy this in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> Uh, called Night of the Lepus. Has anybody heard of this? Mm. Yeah, one. Nice. Exactly one. <laughs> Those are bad odds. It is a 1972 movie starring Janet Lee of oh. Psycho, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Uh, it is evidently a notorious, notorious B-movie with terrible special effects. I know the, the channel Red Letter Media Online watched it. Uh, it is a, a hilarious mess. The idea is that these uh, bunnies uh, end up growing to enormous size and they're attacking. So it's sort of like a Night of the Living Dead where everybody's sheltered inside and there's a bunny that's breaking and trying to get you. How did they shoot it in the 70s? Well, they put adorable bunny rabbits on an adorable miniature set. So whenever Janet Lee is like, my God, they're trying to come inside. And then they cut to out what's going on outside the house. It's like adorable bunnies playing around dollhouses. That's amazing. <laughs> like and little Sylvanian family bunnies just doing their thing. Yes, exactly. And uh, they put that out as a movie, and you, you can watch that if you want. 
um, technically exists. But that was one of the big examples of uh, evil bunnies. Aside from, we've covered otherwise on the show, a lot of Easter horror. There's way gnarlier stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, but Night of the Lepus is a creature in and of itself. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. it. Weird. All right, so we are going to hop over to an area that isn't so far from where we are in Asbury right now to talk about a haunted Tom's River home. So, do any of you guys live in Tom's River or near? Oh, nice. Okay, she's probably safe. She's probably fine. Um, Yeah, (laughs) hard to say. So, there was a paranormal and legal battle that played out on the national stage when the renters of a home in Tom's River fled after living there a week, so shades of Amityville, and sued their landlord for not informing them of the ghosts that they would be cohabitating with. They went on the People's Court with the Honorable Judge Marion Milan presiding. What? I also was at the People's Court one time. What? Um, I wasn't on it. I know. I knew you wouldn't know what this is. I wasn't on it. I used to be a hairdresser, and when I was in cosmetology school, one of the teachers would take any tiny opportunity to have us do a field trip. Oh, And so we went, and we were in the audience of the People's Court, like... With the the guys that we were going to talk to the makeup artist afterward and like learn something and we never even did and it was a really boring case where one neighbor was pissed at another neighbor because some nuts or seeds from their tree were landing on the guy's car. I don't even remember the outcome. I'm sorry. I'd be infuriated. (laughs) He seemed pretty cheesed. So before I tell you the verdict in this ghost case, here are the facts and maybe you can decide for yourselves. So in the course of living there for a week, the tenants, who were a couple with two children, would find their clothes flung from the closets and strewn all over the floor. On their own, doors opened and closed, and light switches turned on and off. They heard mysterious footsteps as well as unintelligible whispers. But the last straw were the strange rumblings that they could hear coming through the vents up from the basement. So they got the hell out of there, and they began legal proceedings against the landlord, who then countersued them for breaking the lease. And the family had NJ Paranormal, which is a local paranormal group, I know, uh, come to investigate. And they found, uh, excuse me, the founder, Marianne Brigando, told the Asbury Park Press that they found it to be, quote, an active or intelligent haunting one level above a residual haunting. Wow. So residual hauntings in kind of the uh, the categorization of these, categorization of these things are um, hauntings where somebody is kind of like stuck in a loop. So if somebody lived in the home, uh, they might you might see a ghost always going up the stairs to their room and they're just constantly doing this over and over again and they're not aware of you know the other people around them. It's like a moment is stuck in time. Yeah. Right. And then intelligent hauntings is, are ones where the ghosts know that you're there and can interact with you or whatever. So what did Judge Milian say about this? She ruled against the family, saying against that... Against which family? The family against was the renting? family who was renting, yes. Oh. Uh, saying that there were no legal grounds to vacate a lease on the grounds that the dwelling is haunted. However, she ordered the landlord to spend one night in the home to see for himself. And what? he was never heard from again. <laughs> That's not true. There was just no follow-up. So I don't There's know no follow-up, yes. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Anything might have happened then. Right, exactly. That, that doesn't sound... No, I don't that's think, definitely that doesn't like a sound little, legally binding. That's a little razzle-dazzle for TV. Absolutely. That's yeah. like on Seinfeld where they're like, you were ordered to be my butler. <laughs> right. Like, right. what? Spend one would... night in the very house that you own. Yeah, I don't think it would hold in a court of law. You got me, judge. 
All right. All right. Um, okay. I, I'm going to talk about something that I think is sort of beloved now, uh, though I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you know about this one. Okay. Or some of you, the Sussex Sea Serpent, or Hoppy the Hoppet Kong Monster. It has many names, as as urban legends tend to. Evidently, this is a, a creature like a something of a cryptid that first appeared in a newspaper called the Lake. Hapatkong Angler in 1894. Uh, the article was titled Lake Hapatkong's Sea Serpent and it described this creature that was in the lake as <laughs> it had the body of a snake. Okay? Sure. It had the head of a Saint Bernard. That's a twist. That's I was a big not twist. That. That's that's that dog that usually has that little barrel around its neck. Yeah, or it's Beethoven. Yeah, Beethoven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Beethoven with a snake body. Uh, <laughs> it was said to be spotted near the inlet to the River Styx. Oh, sidebar. It was spotted there. Evidently, see that? evidently, the River Styx is near Lake Hopatcong oh. <laughs> in New okay. Jersey, which I also didn't know. Hmm, good to know. Uh, so this article from the 1800s uh, goes on to say. Several shots have been fired at it. One man asserts that he hit the head of the supposed serpent with a ball from his 38 caliber rifle, and the bullet rolled off like water off a duck's back, without even making the monster wink. Why would he wink anyway? He didn't even wink once. <laughs> you get shot and you wink? That's what they think is the normal course of events? Maybe for a monster that can take a shot as it goes back in the water. True. Try better next time, Hunter. Wink, yeah. wink. I don't know. But I guess that's what they expected in the 1800s. Mm, um, uh, a local, Don Gardner, said parents told their kids a story about Hoppy that was based in Lo- Lake Hoppetkong fishing folklore, claiming it was a mystical lake serpent that ate fishermen and boaters before it was caught and killed. He said the legend states that the serpent's bones later washed ashore and were used as the frame for a roller coaster called the Wildcat. Oh, my God. It was on, uh, on uh, Bertrand Island's amusement park. Which, oh, of course. That sounds like from another universe. Definitely I've does. never heard of that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but that also doesn't sound like a safe roller coaster. I don't think no. bones are structurally no, secure. No, a snake bone? I know. Some Texas chainsaw. Yeah. Some maniac finds bones on, <laughs> on by the river. And builds a roller coaster and we're supposed to be happy about it. I'm not interested. Uh, now, part of uh, this story sort of resurfaced a few years back, much like Hoppy. William. In the water, peeking above sea level. <laughs> peeking above the water. The water. <laughs> um, in 2014, this is true, or quote-unquote true, you know. <laughs> a 20-foot anaconda was spotted nearby. Vom. And it made everybody remember this century-old urban legend about Hoppy. Um, but also people uh, pretty quickly uh, were like, an anaconda is in that lake? I don't think an anaconda can live in that lake. I don't <laughs> so, want none. I, it just seems like, if, if I had to guess, and I know that we're all here because we like spooky stuff, I'm something of a skeptic. I don't want to shock you. It seems like maybe every few years somebody sees something... In, in in the, I don't know, peeking out of the water. And they yeah, go, and they're like, whoa, monster. That thing's 100 feet long. I got to kill it. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. But that is the story of a lesser known cryptid, the Hoppet Kong monster. 
Beautiful. Well, I also have a, a water-based story to tell you next. It's a shorty and a sweetie. Nice. This is about the disappearing pond of Belmar. So again, not too far away from where we are. So on 18th Avenue in Belmar, there was one, uh, you know, this is a legend, okay? There was once a pond that is no more, but was once there. Apparently on a cold night, there was a huge flock of geese that landed in the pond, only for it to freeze overnight, locking them in place. What? But geese are known to be resilient birds. They can do anything. They can poop all over any field. Very impressive. Over and over again. And these birds flapped their wings so hard and worked together so beautifully that they got out of their icy prison by carrying it with them. Their teamwork was such that they all rose together to fly away with the pond still stuck to them. Together we they rise. Together we rise. They popped it right out like a homemade popsicle from a mold. This sounds like a Greek myth. <laughs> right? like it kind of does. The water instantly froze, but the birds flapped their wings in unison, and that's how the lake moved, uh, uh, I don't know, four miles south. That is correct. Yeah. That's right. Um, so it, it, I think it's, it just kind of seems like a nice fable about teamwork, but it was apparently published in Outdoor Life magazine in the 50s, which... I was surprised to hear it doesn't really seem like a spot for such a thing, like Outdoor Life prints fables. This is a recurring. Yes. We've, we've found, historically on our show, we have found the strangest sources. Like a, yeah. a, a used car website that just tells you about like a horrendous murder. It was a, yeah, it was a used car website that had a blog about like a lover's lane yeah. mystery. Um, I also like technically have used... there's a car in the story? Is that all? I think so. Some bored person that's like, my boss doesn't understand websites. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to put this up there. Yes, I've also used, I think it's irishengagementrings.com multiple times for stuff about like banshees. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you find things in the most surprising places. It's true. Yep. All right. Um, wow. All right. Uh, here's another one that actually is so close that I, I, I sort of do want to go to it because although perhaps we should stay away. Mm. Uh, uh, one hour's drive to the north, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, in Woodbridge, New Jersey, there is said to be a snake coiling about the lonely grave of Lulu Lorch. Oh, wow, that's quite a name. That's a name. I want to besmirch the dead, but no. Lulu Lorch is quite something. Do not besmirch Lulu Lorch. <laughs> so, slithering between headstones, the Woodbridge Cemetery Snake is a bad omen for graveyard visitors. Mm who seem like they do not need a bad omen right now. Right, they're like full up. Terrible time for a bad omen <laughs> in a cemetery. <laughs> uh, those who get too close to this, it's a snake that is said to be uh, like purple and black, which okay. I think in nature, any sort of a vibrant color like that screams danger. Yeah, it's a warning. So anybody who gets too close to this purple and black serpent are doomed to die within one hour. Oh my God, that's a quick turnaround. All you have to do is get close. You don't <laughs> have to bad. touch it. You don't have to try to eat it like some weird person from hundreds of years ago. <laughs> you just have to be near it. Uh, this is according to 19th century New Jerseyans. Trustworthy. Mm. Locals began fearing uh, this snake after a bizarre incident at the funeral for a young woman named Lulu Lorch in 1896. Was my other story in 1896? I don't know. Is it the same year? <laughs> it was a hot year for the paranormal. It was a bad year for New Jersey. <laughs> or 
or a good year, depending on your the perspective. Hop the Hopakong monster was 1894. And then two years later, the cemetery snake in Woodbridge. It's action-packed. So mourners were shocked when a four-foot-long snake slinked around her grave and wrapped itself around the coffin. This is at the burial itself. 20 minutes later, Lorch's 29-year-old brother, William, oh. died of heart failure. Oh my God. This is reported in the New York Herald. Uh, not, not by New York Herald. <laughs> right, the a, New York Herald yeah, with an A. Gotcha. Exactly. Uh, the Serpentine Intruder, this is great, right? I love how this is written. This is yeah. also NJ.com. Yeah. The Serpentine Intruder apparently vanished after the episode. Of course, if the superstition is true, any witnesses would likely expire before they could share the tale. That's right? perfect. You get close yes. to this thing and within an hour you're dead? Within one hour? So I got another source because, believe it or not, there's not a lot of info about really anything we're talking on. We're about to be one of the primary sources for every <laughs> single story that we're telling. Which you. is not a good sign. It's not a good sign. But it's honestly, it's fun to dig. Yeah, it's awesome. To find weird, interesting stuff. I found a website that I love, evidently, called Most Useless Blog in the World. <laughs> WordPress.com, and it is fantastic. Fantastic, And they seem to know more about what happened after that first death. Oh, nice. All right. So three days later at the funeral of William, William Lorch, I don't know, his friend Buddy saw the snake. Oh. So Lulu Lorch dies. They go to the funeral. William's there. The snake coils around the coffin. William's dead within an hour. Three days later, he's being buried in the same cemetery. The snake shows up again. His friend Buddy sees it, and then he dies. And then at Buddy's funeral, oh my God. yes, the snake shows up again. We gotta stop having funerals at a certain point here, just for the safety of all attendees. It's over. Yeah. Shut down this cemetery. So, again, according to the most useless blog in the world, <laughs> by the time authorities investigated reports that the funeral director's son, Kevin, had been getting into herpetology. Herbology? <laughs> Maybe it is herpetology. It, it says herpetology. Yeah, yeah. Herbology would be oh, like... Oh, herpetology. You're thinking about gotcha. like Harry Potter. Yeah, you're I thinking about like, No, I am. Yeah. Uh, herpetology, I guess, is the study of snakes, I suppose. Uh, he had evidently been seen recently handling purple-banded snakes. But by the, the authorities tried to talk to him, it was too late. The funeral home had experienced a banner year but the entire surrounding neighborhood of Colonia had been decimated. Its properties abandoned, and the economy was in ruins. Oh my god, the snake really did a number. This was a prolific snake. <laughs> it killed, I guess, according to the most useless blog in the world, it killed everybody in that Yeah, like town. most of Colonia. And they just kept going to the next funeral and being surprised that it happened again. Well, well, we got to bury that guy now. Another funeral. I guess they didn't know what the cause was because everybody who like sees the snake dies. So huh? what were they to do? Exactly. They stay didn't the, have the tools. You stay the course. That's they didn't right. have the technology to understand their predicament. That's right. But it was the funeral director's son. I love the idea of I this know. like this screw up. What you've been yeah. getting into snakes? You imported some venomous snake that kills you within an hour. Actually, this is pretty good for business. <laughs> Keep it up. So I, I looked this up, too, because I'm, I don't know, I got, I got a little hopeful, right? So this website mentions specifically the town of Colonia. And I know of areas in the tri-state area, admittedly, that are 
ghost towns. There are still ghost towns out there. So I was thinking, is this maybe a ghost town that I'm just not aware of? Colonia, New Jersey. I'm not familiar with it. Looked it up. They're fine. Yeah, they're totally fine. They're totally fine. Completely average population. Yeah. At best, I found out that they're unincorporated, oh. which means they don't have their own local government. Which means that we could right get in on. there and take over the joint. Yeah, maybe we can both become the mayor. That's two mayors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, so I'm going to take us over to the Haunted Flanders Hotel now. Do you know about that, Kathy? I feel like you would. Yeah. So this is at the Jersey Shore, probably not super far away, in Ocean City. But don't go making a reservation just yet unless you don't mind sharing a room with a ghost. Ah. It's nice and old, built right along the boardwalk in 1923. But you know what old means? It means haunted. The most well-known ghost of the hotel is a woman in white named Emily. So in case you don't know, the woman in white is like a classic ghost story trope. Uh, it's pretty literal. It's a woman in a white gown who's usually searching for something. It's sometimes, depending on the story, a lost husband. It might be her children. Or in this case, her engagement ring. Oh. So the story goes that while a guest at the hotel, Emily lost her engagement ring. And after looking for it, eventually just left without it and gave up. She came back to the hotel to do another search after her fiancé didn't return from World War I, but she still didn't find it. And the story is that she still roams the grounds looking for it. Now, as somebody who has lost their engagement ring, mm -hmm. I stand in solidarity with Emily, and I get her. Uh, of course, that's just one version of the story. There's another version that kind of does away with that sad backstory and simply refers to her as the lady in white, a cheerful presence around the hotel whose singing and laughing can be heard from the lower catacombs. I have questions about that. I know. Um, just name drop lower catacombs. I know, and move on, but I yeah. couldn't. Uh, there's a separate legend that says that meetings between crime bosses took place in these catacombs. <laughs> they can't, they have to literally meet underground. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> we go down here because it's spooky. Yeah, and it'll be awesome for somebody it's, to read about later. It makes me feel cooler. <laughs> yeah. That has to be part of some of their decisions, because why is everything so, like, ugh? Some of it's just because it's cool. Criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. Well, and perhaps a little vain. Uh, they yes. have those nice pinstripe suits for a reason. <laughs> There's, you know, they could be in their jammies. Pajama rich, they call it, yes. where you just don't have to wear anything nice, because who cares? Uh, so anyway, uh, she can be heard in the catacombs, and sometimes she's also heard in the Hall of Mirrors. This hotel sounds amazing. Catacombs, Halls of Mirrors. Sounds like you're asking for trouble, though. Like, no wonder they have a ghost. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This isn't a normal structure. No. Um, her apparition once appeared in the photos of a wedding that was held there, so maybe there's a bit of a thread to that other marriage-based story. Yeah. Maybe somebody heard one of the stories and got it mixed up with another one of them, and then they just sort of merged. Totally. So in this like happier version, she's a little bit more of a free spirit, and a framed painting of her barefoot in a white dress with long hair lives on the second floor of the Flanders Hotel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, isn't that nice? I, I like love that. that. It's really nice looking, too, if you want to look it up. And Use promo code GTTUPOD. Yeah, right, to Google a picture of this woman <laughs> <laughs> for free. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in either story, whether it's the lost engagement ring story or this other one, she's said to be a non-threatening presence, and the hotel's restaurant is even named after her, Emily's, which really? I love. Really? Oh, that's cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. 
Especially because like there's that thing of, you know, they say that you die two deaths. Yeah. Right? When you actually die and the last time someone says your name. They're saying her name constantly. Yeah. She's been truly like immortalized in some sense. Yeah. That, that's pretty cool. I, I love like that. It. I so like that's that. all I got for us, New Jersey. Really? Guys. I've got I've got a couple I got a Beautiful. couple more. Yeah. I okay, let's let's play a little game. I've got I've got the biggest gun of our list, I think I've got right here. Okay. Or I've got a weird thing that I just found on the side <laughs> that made me laugh. I want to hear both. <laughs> you want to hear? Well, you can hear both, but what do you want to hear first? Oh, uh, the big gun. The big gun. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Atco Ghost. Does anybody know about that one, Kathy? I yeah, mean, of course you do. It's a I foregone mean, conclusion yeah. that you know about all these. Exactly. So the Atco Ghost. There's south uh, of us here uh, is a town called Atco. And the Atco ghost is the ghost of a child. Now, in some ways, this is a very classic kind of ghost story. There is like a ritual of how you might be able to drive there and see the ghost step out into the road in front of you. Uh, the story itself uh, talks about, uh, it, was, it was Christmas night. And a boy was out playing with a basketball he got as a present when a driver came speeding down his dead end street. The driver hit the boy and runs, Mm -hmm. only to come to the end of the road because it's a dead end. And then they make a point of saying this, which I thought was interesting. The driver driver was forced to do a U-turn and drive back, passing the body of the boy he had just killed. Oh, maybe it was like a dead end or a cul-de-sac or whatever. I said it a couple of times, but yes. (laughs) So doubt. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Proceed. I will. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's funny to like, because that almost implies like, ooh, that must have stung for that driver. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, all how, of a sudden how like, terrible for him to have to oh, go back and like have to avoid seeing the body that he hit. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is from straight up Weird New Jersey, which is a very famous publication in the state that documents all of the weird goings on. And I'm going to get into a lot of stories that were sent into them by listeners who claim to have encountered the ghost. But uh, here's how they start to set up this uh, sort of ritual. If you want to see the ghost, you drive down the street, and this is Burnt Mill Road in Atco. You drive down the street, head straight towards the end of the road. When you reach the end, do a U-turn and pull your car up to the, to the part of the street where there's a crack through the asphalt from one side of the street to the other. Don't worry, they never pave this. These are evergreen directions. Great. Stop at that line and honk your horn three times and flash the lights three times. Then sit in darkness for a bit. Now. This sounds fun and scary. I know. Because like all, all this is really for is this is ultimately for like teenagers and young adults to go to this environment where you know there's supposedly a ghost and you've probably got, you might be the friend in the backseat that's like, huh, I really think we should go home, guys. Uh, actually, I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> um, but it's just to get you into an environment where it's dark and quiet. So you turn off the lights and you're sitting in the pitch black because it's fun to be scared. Yeah. Being scared is a good time. Uh, but I also learned that specifically the honking of the horn three times, flashing of the lights three times, this was interesting. Supposedly, this is how cars uh, would signify the start of a drag race. Oh. So I guess in some sense, I don't know why this would be relevant to the, the child ghost themselves. Yeah. But, but some idea of like there's a car here and it's about to gun it. 
right? So then you will see the figure of the boy begin to cross the street dribbling a basketball, but it's all happening almost in slow motion. Oh. Which is another sort of thing. Yeah. You talked about residual haunts where mm -hmm. it's one event that sort of is repeating itself like a gif or something. Yeah. Versus, um, uh, what's, what's the other uh, term? I think I intelligent. Intelligent haunting, where it sort of is like this is, you know, a person who's just existing beyond life. But this is sort of in the in-between. Yeah. Moving in slow motion. It's just so strange. But I do have some other interpretations of, um, of a motivation for the Atco ghost. So uh, this is an addition to that sort of core story that came in from a reader of Weird New Jersey named Manning L. Krull, who adds that the boy is not just walking across the street. He's walking toward you. Mm. But it's unclear to me, because all he says is he's walking toward you. So, okay, was to what end? Yeah, right. So what, he just, he keeps, and then you just sit there while he gets to you? What happens then? And then what happens, then? yeah. So another reader, Scott, adds that he is specifically looking at your car to see if it's the one that killed him. Oh. Which is scary. That is scary. But then it also turns the gears of like, to what end? Right. What, what is he? he what do? is he waiting for? Like, if it were the car, what happens? What would then? happen? And is it another just sort of like tragic concept of like, in all likelihood, it will never be that car. Also, it will never be the car because they they're not going back to the scene, and now so much time has passed. I feel like that also shares some DNA with like lady in white or woman in white stories, like the idea of a ghost just searching for something eternally that it probably can never get. I think that we kind of love those sorts of stories. Yeah, I wonder if it has something to do because ghosts themselves are sort of like the antithesis of the typical afterlife that you think of, whether or not you believe in, you know, reincarnation or going to heaven or being a ghost, meaning that you just sort of hang out here on earth. These are almost like horrific cautionary tales of like, if you do die in a, a tragic, you know, violent way, you might become trapped here. Right. This could be you. You could be stuck mm -hmm. rather than getting to move on. The Atco ghost is sitting here waiting for the three beeps. Then it goes, oh, I'm up. Yeah. It's my time. Uh, so uh, another listener, Kyle, had an interesting experience that speaks to the notion of the, the child just walking toward you. He says, quote, an image of boy did walk towards our car. <laughs> I love just like the typos that we all make, obviously, but it's so funny when you're reading it from the outside. We, we honor your typos. We read them. Oh, I am your typos. As they are. Yeah. An image of boy did walk towards our car, <laughs> but never actually made it. It was as though he was walking in place. Hmm. So that itself is interesting, too, because it's like this, like, I don't know, moonwalking it, it, yeah, it, just like walking for a bit, never actually advancing. Yes, which is symbolic in some sense. Yeah. It also feels like that common nightmare thing of running and feeling like you're never actually running fast enough. Or you're stuck in quicksand. You can't quite get there. So what's the deal? Thankfully, News 12, the Bronx, investigated yes. the ADCO ghost. They sent a reporter, uh, and he's really not, uh, he didn't know. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't sure. He Thankfully. he reported essentially everything that I told you, and then he goes. Now there are rituals where you might be able to summon the Atco ghost. Unfortunately, there are so many variations. I wasn't sure what to do. <laughs> We're just so not going to try any of them. Didn't do it. What an what a bold move. 
Like, why even mention the rituals then? Because it makes it sound to your bosses boss. like you went there or something. Yeah, I guess you're and right. And then you really, you really went to the movies that day or something. I don't know. That's like a boss move. It that is. guy must have alpha energy to be like, so there are a number of different rituals, but I didn't try any of them. You got yeah. a problem? Eat it. Yeah. Very Bronx. <laughs> I'm outski. Stereotypically. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it did make me think. We had Unsolved Mysteries, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Robert Stack and his super cool duster talking yeah. about mysteries. And we've certainly had a lot of paranormal investigation shows. But I want a news anchor vibe of like, and now I'm going to try the elevator game. They say if you push these I would buttons love that. and then just see what happens. Nothing happened again. Tune in next week. <laughs> I want to watch that. Wait, What's what? that? Sightings? Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, Kathy Kelly is reporting from the field that sightings. This just is a in. show. Yeah. <laughs> it already exists. It already exists. <laughs> it's Excellent. called sightings. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Our wish was fulfilled. It was. Which, um, it was. Yeah. All right. And I think I think the last thing that I'm going to uh, talk to you about now is a is I'm, a short don't I'm liking what I'm seeing on this screen. It says Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> it's the story of Rip Van Winkle. Did this take place in New Jersey? Uh yes. I oh. get, evidently. I don't know. It happened in 1909 over 100 years ago today. Oh my god. Pro- probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um so, I found a group on Reddit all about odd news in New Jersey. I don't know if you're f- familiar with like the concept of like Florida man Mm-hmm. Florida man arrested again for blah, 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 blah. This was, they were trying to make Jersey man happen and it didn't seem like it really took off. Oh. But so New Jersey man had one story that made sense and the rest were actually pretty horrible. But say pretty upsetting. New Jersey man's up to some bad mischief. Yeah. So the user Kittens and Puppies linked to an article from the Gettysburg Times in 1909. I read the actual article from 1909 headline. Chased by wild man on all fours. Oh my god, I would die. On all fours. Oh, I don't like that. New Jersey has a baying Rip Van Winkle. Has a what? A ba- oh, baying, baying. Like, like, a, like screaming, a, like Screaming, crying. like a dog might bay at no, the moon, right? No, that won't do. Now the article itself. New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey, specifically. In January. Maybe he took the ghost train in. Oh, maybe. Took uh-huh. the ghost train, stopped by Hoppy. Right. Yep. Uh, January 29th. The sight and sound of what he described as a baying Rip Van Winkle caused John Knee of Rowleyville to go racing into Dover, spreading an alarm that a wild man is living in the woods near Mount Hope. His report was so graphic and was so similar to that of a nursery agent who was driving through that region a fortnight ago, so somebody else saw this, Yeah. that an effort will be made by searching parties of men with dogs to find what officials believe will prove to be a maniac escaped from some asylum. Which is a tale as old as time. The idea of some mental hospital, somebody escaped, and they are a monster, of Mm -hmm. course, of course. Yeah. So, knee told Marshall Bryan that while hunting with his dog, his attention was attracted by what sounded like the baying of another hound, but proved to come from a, and again, this is a new, this is verbatim news article 1909. 
but the sound proved to come from a weird human-like creature. Oh, God. You don't want to see these words in the newspaper. Yeah. Once it like, hits the news, it's it feels... And I know there's a lot that we could say about the state of modern journalism. Ooh, ooh. But you take it as a fact, right? Yeah, it seems legitimate. It says here in the paper there's a weird human-like creature out there who was scudding through the oh, woods. Oh, God. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. On all fours. Scudding. His long grayish beard trailing under his body. So he wasn't really nude. What? His, his gray beard was like covering him up. It was a, a modesty beard. Hold on. <laughs> Did I say he was nude? I th- oh, God. Maybe you didn't. Okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> I don't think nude had any part of this, Tristan. <laughs> Keep on, keep on going. You came up with he's nude. (laughs) You came up with it. Wishful thinking. So, Nee's dogs startled the peculiar being, but they were frightened and chased away by the alleged wild man, who, according to Nee, finally galloped away into the woods. What the hell was going on? But they keep referring to him as... A Rip Van Winkle. I was about to say, where does Rip Van... Why are they doing that? Because he's just an old man with a long beard. Yeah, yeah. That makes you a Rip Van Winkle. He seems very much awake. My goal is to be a Rip Van Winkle someday. (laughs) You're getting there. I'm a bit of a Rip Van Winkle, you might say. Yeah. So there you go. That is the New Jersey Rip Van Winkle, I guess, in in Newark. (laughs) I I guess be careful out there. He's... Yeah, keep an eye out. He galloped away. He might still be there. That's right. So we hope you enjoyed this. We really liked being able to tell you these stories. And if you're interested in hearing more, you can look up Guides to the Unknown. We're on all podcast apps. We're on YouTube. And we're also on social media at GTTU Pod everywhere. We're going more than five years strong. We've got over, what, 270-something? 70-something episodes. I don't even know at this point. Uh, but yeah, thank you all so much. Thank you, Kathy Kelly. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Jersey Devil Fable Festival. Thank you, Liz, yeah. for traveling. Yes, thank you, thank, thank you, Liz. You. Thank you, baby Zoe, for coming out to see us. I love you. Hi, honey. And make sure you look up or come to Paranormal Books and Curiosities in Asbury Park. It's amazing. Other listeners have done it, and nobody has regretted it. And, uh, yeah, enjoy. So to end the show the way that we always do, thank you all for hanging out with us. We'll be back next time for more weird, scary stories. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld. Go we. Please clap. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great rest of the, the weekend. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.